I'm so excited today to start a series called As For Me and My House. As For Me and My House. How many in this room would agree that this world is crazy and getting crazier by the day? Absolutely. And we can sit back and talk about how crazy it is and wild it is and decisions that politicians are making and celebrities are making and athletes are making and all this wild stuff. And we can sit and talk about it all day or we can do something about it. One thing that we can do is we can stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, this is the way we're going to do life. We're going to make certain decisions. We're going to do things a certain way. And I just feel like God put this on my heart. There's a couple different things. and It's wild as a pastor. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it happens to everybody, but my perspective as a pastor. There are things that at times God will just keep coming back. He'll bring it around and around and around where you can't get out of a certain book or a certain chapter. I've been two different places and they seem so far apart. In 2 Kings and in 1 John. And the funny thing is, is they, they match up really well. They talk about a lot of the same stuff. But I just felt like as I've been, I don't want to say stuck, but as God has been keeping me in these two places, he's obviously trying to hammer something home. He's trying to teach me something. He's trying to get something cemented in my heart so that I can come up here and talk to you guys about what God is doing in my life and what God has put on my heart for you as well. So as for me in my house, we have to make decisions. As for you in your house, you have to make decisions. And I think it is important. You know, when I used to be a kid's pastor and I would talk to the kids about the Great Commission, I would say, you know, it's, it's such an intimidating thing when, when the Bible tells us to go out into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Especially as a kid, you're going, how am I going to reach the entire world? That's so big, right? How do I do that? And I explain to the kids what happens is it starts with one. And it starts with your friends and it starts with your family. So you change your world and you change your world and you change your world. And together we change the world. It's the same thing with our families. When you stand up and you say, as for me and my house, we're going to do things different. We're going to do things God's way. But how many know sometimes it's easier said than done? We live in a world of compromise. Compromise is running rampant. You want to talk about epidemic, it's compromise. It's, is that show really that bad? It only has a little bit of bad stuff in it. This account or that account that I follow, is it really that bad? Most of the stuff that they post isn't bad, but yeah, maybe sometimes, but is it that bad? Compromise has this way of sneaking its way into our life and just dividing us, pushing us away from God. And it all starts with compromise. I am so grateful that Pastor James said what he said about religion when we were worshiping. And in the church world, I know you guys have, most of you, if not all of you, have heard this before, where it's relationship, not religion, because religion can be a lot of rules and regulations where Jesus is like, hey, I want this relationship with you. So I'm not promoting that we, you know, that our lives become like that. But I'm just saying, man, if you just want to get closer to God and closer to Jesus, 
be led by his spirit every single day. Man, compromise can't sneak its way in. If you just wake up, you say, God, direct my steps. Direct the way that I think. Direct the way that I make decisions. That Whatever I'm doing, God, I don't want any compromise to sneak its way into my life. So as for me and my house, that is what we are talking about today. I want to read a few verses, and then we're going to dive into the bulk of our message this morning. In Joshua chapter 24... We're going to read verses 14 through 15, and then we're going to read verses 23 and 24. It says in Joshua 24, verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Skip down to verse 23. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. Let's pray one more time. God, I need you. I need you now more in this moment than I did yesterday. I need you to speak through me. God, I need that for you just to have your way in this place, that your will is done. God, that your word is spoken. God, I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive what you are saying today, the point that you are trying to get across today. God, we are open to whatever you have for us. We love you so much in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Before we continue on, i got to apologize for my scratchy voice this morning. There's several factors at play. The weather changed. You know, we're, we went from a house in New York where there's like the baseboard heating to now our house here has like this forced air, so we're waking up scratchy. But I also had to coach and referee a game last night. Um, we were at the Michigan-Michigan State game, and... Harbaugh needed my help at times, the referees, they missed certain plays, and I, about partway through the first quarter, I'm noticing my voice is getting scratchy, so I tell my wife, I'm like, don't let me yell, like, keep me calm, and most of the time I was good, but there were some times when the referee just wasn't paying attention, he was blind, whatever, I don't know what was going on, so... I apologize already, but I'm sure you understand. So, again, I want to talk about compromise today and how we need to have standards. We need to have standards. I know how tough it is. I have a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old who go to school and hear all sorts of things and come home and say, can we do this? Can we do that? What about this? What about that? And I have to say, no, we don't do that. Why don't we do that? Let's talk about that. I remember being the weird kid in school. I remember someone going, wait, 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 you're not going to have sex until you're married? What do you mean? What are you, like a priest or something? Literally. Why aren't you, you know, my kids don't have social media. Why don't you have social media? There's things on there you don't need to see. At some point they will. That's fine. 
Right now, it's not appropriate. They want to go to this party or that party or do this or do that. I remember one time we were lighting uh, fireworks. It wasn't anything bad or whatever. It was in an empty field, nothing bad. And we're running out of, uh, I think we were doing it with matches. And I had a buddy who's there. It's his fireworks. He's got the matches and all that stuff. And his dad was a smoker. And he just, he's like, hey, we're getting low. Here, just use this and hands me a cigarette. And I was like, I'm not touching that. Why? I'm like, how do you keep the thing lit? Well, you got to smoke it. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Why? You know, when these questions begin to come up and you become the weirdo. I know. I know that struggle. But I also know what it's like to have standards, to follow the word of God, to follow the will of God. And then when someone is in a tough situation, they come to you because they know you pray and because they know you care, because they know you have standards and that you are safe and that you love them. It is a slippery slope, church. Do you want to know why I say that? I've been there. I've been there. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. There was a time when I had to get rid of a movie collection. And what happened, so Amber and I, when we were dating, we would, this, this is so dumb, I shouldn't even say this. Our dates consisted of a hot and ready from Little Caesars, um, crazy bread. Then we would go to Kmart and we would buy a movie for $5 out of that $5 DVD bin. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those were date nights. Isn't it a wonder that she ever stuck around with me? Like, so we began to build this DVD collection and we had, you know, standards and all that. And we're like, oh, we're not going to watch anything that's, you know, PG-13 unless, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then we get to the place where we're like, well, this is R, but it's only R because of fill in the blank. And it's only R because, of, you know, it, there's some curse words. You know, I hear it at work. Or I hear it at school. or ah, whatever. And then I start getting these movies that are war movies. You know, I like the war movies and all that, Saving Private Ryan, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, that's only R because of violence. Well, violence isn't all that bad, right? And then I begin to notice that my standards and what I'm allowing into my life just keep getting lower and lower and lower. Well, it only has one scene. That's a little racy, but we can fast forward that, right? It's quiet in here. You guys must know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Isn't that the way it works? That happened to me with music. I went away to Bible college, and I, again, I'm the most boring individual you'll ever meet. Before Bible college, I listened to two types of music. Worship music, country music. That was it. Don't judge me. That's all I listened to. Literally that, and, and oldies. My dad played a lot of oldies. I listened to oldies. I even have an oldies playlist on my phone. Love the oldies. But those were primarily it. I go away to Bible college, and I start hanging out with these kids who are listening to like some like harder music. I'm like, I kind of like this. Something within me is like, yeah, like I like this. It's secular music. I come home. It's my first break. And Amber and I were dating at the time. I'm like, you got to hear this song. And there's this group called Linkin Park that might not even mean anything to half you in this room. And this song, I was like, oh, this is the best part. And I crank it up. And they go, you tried to take the best of me. Go away. And they start screaming. And I'm like headbanging. And my wife goes, what happened to you? 
You went away to Bible college and you, what? What happened? But how many know it is so easy for that to happen? And then one day it's almost like you run into the wall and you go, how did I get here? Thank God for his Holy Spirit, amen. That happens, but that is compromise. 2 Kings 22, we're going to read about some people that struggle with compromise. We're going to talk a lot about Josiah today. I want to give you a little bit of context. Go back to some, someone that you're probably familiar with, King David. King David had a son named Solomon, hands his kingdom off to Solomon when he dies. Solomon has a son named Rehoboam, and he's the heir to the throne. So Rehoboam becomes king, and he pretty much says, like, yeah, my dad was tough. I'm going to be tougher. There's going to be taxes and all that kind of stuff. So the people begin to rebel. Jeroboam steps up. And if you're ever reading in, in 2 Kings and you're like, why are we talking about Israel and Judah and how does this whole thing happen? What happened was Jeroboam took 10 of the 12 tribes with him. And it's now called Israel, where Rehoboam, who was the one who was supposed to be leading, took two of the 12 tribes, now called Judah. So as we're reading the book of 2 Kings, we're going back and forth between Israel and Judah. And we're reading about this king and that king and this king and that king. And it's like, he did well, he did good in the eyes of the Lord. And then he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then he did good in the eyes of the Lord. And they're just bouncing around like every, it seems like every other. And you're like, man... A lot of these guys, like, did some really messed up things. We get to 2 Kings 21, and we read about a guy named Manasseh. Manasseh's a bad dude. And I don't mean, like, bad, like, cool. I mean, like, bad dude. He has a son named Amon. Bad dude. Some things that they did was worshipped idols, false gods, the stars, sacrificed their own kids, desecrated the temple of the Lord with altars to the starry host, the stars in the sky, consulted mediums, fortune tellers, and they sought omens. This is the type of people that are leading God's people. The tribes of Israel, this is what their leaders were like. This is what their leaders were doing. But then Josiah, in 2 Kings 22, jumps on the scene, and he becomes king at eight years old. Eight years old becomes king. He has a crazy story, but just to fill you in very quickly, again, just trying to give you some context here. In 2 Chronicles 34, when we're reading about Josiah, we see at the age of 16, he turns to God. At the age of 20, he begins to purge the land of things that didn't belong. And at the age of 26, he says, we're going to fix the temple. I already referenced it. There's things in this temple that do not belong. Altars to false gods. They just totally desecrated what the temple was supposed to be. If you're taking notes this morning, this is my first point today. Fixed what was broken. Fixed what was broken. 2 Kings chapter 22, we're going to read verses 3 through 6 together. Verse 3 says, 
In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, uh, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought to the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. So even as a young man, Josiah stops and goes, wait a minute, this isn't right. This situation, these things, what we're doing, this just isn't right. The temple of the Lord is trashed because of my dad and my grandfather. Have you ever had a moment in life where you go, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? How did we get to this place? This just feels wrong. How did things get this bad? I don't know if you've ever felt it. I have. But Josiah was a man of action. He saw the problem, didn't just sit around and talk about it and, oh, gee, yeah, things are horrible. This world stinks. Going to hell in a handbasket. I really don't even know what that means, but some old people say. You can sit around and talk about these things all you want. But Josiah was my kind of dude. He was a man of action. And he said, Let's put our money where our mouth is, and let's fix that temple. He was a man of action. He saw the problem, and he fixed the problem. That should be a challenge to us today, church. How many times have you talked to your spouse or thought in your own head, man, we really shouldn't be doing this in the house. We really shouldn't be doing that in the house. Or we should be doing this. We should be doing devotions as a family. We should be praying more. We should be praying before meals or whatever it may be. We should be making church more of a priority. And instead of attending once a month, we should be there every Sunday. Whatever it is. How many times have you said, we should, we should, we should, but no action followed? We are called to be people like Josiah. People of action. To fix what was broken. Point number two, the word became central. The word became central. 2 Kings 22, verse 8 says, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord, and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. The temple, this place of God was in such shambles, they lost their copy of the word of God. They didn't know where it was. Hey, look what I found. Look what I found. That's crazy. That's mind-blowing. 
One other thing I want to point out, the country had been in shambles since they lost the word of God. This is no coincidence, church. This is no coincidence. The word of God was not central in their lives. So the country was in shambles. Is your life in shambles today? Is an area of your life in shambles today? I'm going to ask you another pointed question. How important is the word of God in your life today? Is the word of God central to your life? Or has it been lost? Is it essentially off in some corner just collecting dust? And before you come to church, you got to blow it off so you can bring it in here so no one questions. You haven't opened it in ages, but you got to look the part, don't we? It's the word of God central in your life. When the word of God is central, when God himself is central in our lives, he wants to fix the parts that are in shambles. He wants to go after those things. And I know sometimes it can feel religious in that like, oh, I read, you know, I read a chapter just to like cross it off my list or, or things like that. There's a difference between reading the word just to cross off your list and the word being central in your life. The foundation that you make decisions based upon. How often do we make decisions based upon the neighbors? How often do we make decisions based on school systems, laws, what's on the television, the music that's coming through the radio? Is the Word of God central in your life? Point number three, inquire of the Lord for me. So after they find the word of God, while they're fixing up the temple, I love Josiah's response here. This is it. 2 Kings 22, verse 11. When the king heard the words of the, of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, sorry, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah's the king attendant. Wow, that's a lot of crazy names. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. So just Josiah's posture is he is heartbroken. He knew it was bad. He didn't realize how bad it actually was. So what does he do? He goes to the priest and he says, please have a conversation with God for me. Now just in case you're confused by that, this is before Jesus, before the cross, before Pentecost. So he is going to the priest saying, on behalf of me, Please talk to God. So the priests go to a prophetess, Hilda, 
She says, yeah, God is mad. Yep, there's a punishment that is coming. But because you've responded the way that you have, he's heard your cry. And you will not see the disaster that he's going to bring on this place. When you find yourself, your life, a situation in shambles, let's do it, Josiah did. Make the word of God central, but seek the face of God. And because what Jesus did on the cross, you don't have to come to me for me to pray to him. You get to pray to him. You get to say, Dad, Father, I need you. I need your help. This area of my life I know is in shambles. I feel the Holy Spirit putting his finger on it saying this has to change. Help me. Help me. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to lead my family. I don't know how to be different in this world without being weird. I still want to be effective. I still want to have relationships. But tell people about you in those relationships. Seek the face of God. When you don't know what to do, say to yourself the same thing that Josiah did. We must inquire of the Lord. I have to talk to my heavenly father about this one. Some of us are good at this in a very like earthly sense, meaning think about it this way. My dad is here this morning. We're in the process of fixing up a house. And when we're working on a house or I'm working on some kind of project, my, I blow my dad's phone up. I know enough about construction to get into trouble and say, hey dad. Is this supposed to be throwing sparks out when I turn this on or, you know, whatever it is? He's my first call. Why? Because my dad knows what to do. Many of you in this room are thinking, I call my mom right away. I call my sister right away. I call my dad right away. I call a certain person right away. Why? Because they know what to do. And yet when we get into trouble spiritually... Are we doing the same thing? God, I don't know what to do. I need you. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need you. We need to inquire of the Lord. The next thing I want to point out is after this happened, point number four is this. They had church. They had church. Then the king called together, 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets. All the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord. To follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and his soul. Thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. It could have stopped with Josiah. He could have just said, well, look, as for me and my house and just meaning his family. But he took it one step further. He says, as for me and my kingdom, 
We're going to serve the Lord. Wherever you go and whatever you do, any situation you find yourself in, I don't want you to think that it's just, hey, it's for me and my family when we're in the four walls of this church. You can say, where I go, whether it's work or the community, I'm going to lead the same way. I'm going to live the same way. I'm going to be set apart for God in the same way. We all need this. Point number five, they did work. They did work. They went to town on this. Now that we know, now that God has pointed out some things, we need to do some work around here. In the rest of chapter 23, we read that Josiah cleans house. I love reading about what Josiah did. This dude is a stud. He is the man. He removed things that need to be removed. He smashed things that need to be smashed. He cut things down. He burned things. Not only that, but you read about he does things with human bones, putting them in different places that defiles this, the, the, the places that pagans want to worship. So what he was doing is he was messing things up for forever for them. When these bones are burned, when these human bones touch this certain area that, that the pagans like to worship, now they can't use it anymore. So he's like, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, forever. We're getting rid of this stuff. He cleaned house. Genuine repentance is followed by active obedience. We need to learn that. God's calling you to clean house. Now that you know, you're responsible for what you know. Before, you're like, I, didn't, I was doing the best I could. I, I didn't know. Now you know. Now you need to clean house. God is putting his finger on your heart in certain areas right now. Saying this needs to change. There's been compromise in this area. This needs to be changed. This needs to change. There's been compromise in this area. You need to clean house. And maybe it's top to bottom. Maybe it's a room. I don't know. But may we be like Josiah and have courage and strength. Do you think he put up with opposition? 1,000%. This whole kingdom had been living another way for years. Do you think people liked it? No way. But he said, as for me and my house, as for me and my kingdom, we're going to serve the Lord. We're getting rid of this junk. If you got to get rid of Netflix, get rid of Netflix. If you got to delete social media, delete social media. If you got to throw away every DVD that's in your house, whatever it is, you need to clean house now that you know. Now that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on your heart saying this must change, this has to change, you know. Now you're responsible for that. My last and final point is this. They celebrated who God is and what he had done. 2 Kings 23, verse 21. The king gave this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God 
as it is written in the book of the covenant. Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Church, will you stand with me? They celebrate what God had done in the Passover. But I want to leave you with one more thing, and it's, it's a couple more verses, verse 24 and 25. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and the spiritists and the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book of Hilkiah, the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Catch this part. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. With all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. You know what I want to be said about NCA? That. Never has there been a people before that turned to God the way that Northville Christian did on October 30th, 2022. Never before. That church, that day, man, something happened. And they said, we're going to turn to God. We're going to follow God as hard as it is. As opposite as it feels to be in this world to do these things, we're going to turn to God and we are going to commit ourselves to Him and who He is. Can we be that people? Can we be that church? What is stopping us? Two more quick things. No, I keep saying that. Preachers like close the same service 20,000 times. What I'm not after are rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to invite my wife up and I want to just show you something. I want to give you a visual of what your relationship with God should look like. When we are close to God, this is what he wants. He wants us to be this close. If my wife whispered this morning, like, hey, you talk too much this morning, I'd hear her. I know her so well. I know her favorite color. I know what she wants for lunch. I know, I know all that stuff because we're this close. But you know what brings us this close? Not rules. My wife doesn't have to say to me, don't look at pornography. My wife doesn't have to say to me, don't be in a bad situation with another woman. My wife doesn't have to say, don't lie to me. I don't want to. I want to be this close. I want to be this close. And as I begin to make these decisions where I'm like, I'm just looking at a little bit of stuff on Instagram that I probably shouldn't. I'm creating this distance. I told her a little white lie. I actually stopped at the bar on the way home and hung out with the fellas. I spent some money on some things. I brought, what am I doing? Creating a void and creating a space 
Now if she whispers, it's going to be really hard to hear it, right? This is our relationship with God. So what those rules, the rules don't keep you this close, loved us. So what I'm not saying is to sit down and make a list of rules and be religious about this. It's relationship. But if you want to be this close to God, you find out the things that drive you apart and say, I don't want any part of that. That's what you do. That's what we do. Not reading things and, and getting all Pharisee about it. But saying, God, how do I get close to you? How do I hear your voice? How do I feel your heart even more? Well, first of all, it's by not creating space. It's by getting rid of this void, getting rid of the things that might come between us. I say, what was that? Yeah, that's good. All right, I'll do that. That is what it looks like. So today, thank you, baby. Today, we're going to have an opportunity to respond. You're going to have an opportunity to come up here and respond at an altar. You're going to have an opportunity to sit in your seat and respond. We're going to have an amazing prayer team up here to pray with you if, if you need, if you want. But what I want you to ask yourself is, ask God actually, God, is there a compromise in my life? Have I done what Israel and Judah were doing where I was letting things creep in, creep in, creep in until one day you open your eyes and go, wow, there's a world of problems in here. Is that where I'm at? And God, how do I get closer to you? You can take a hundred steps away and you guys know it's one prayer back. That's because God's good, not because I'm good. I'm because you're good. It's because God's good. We're right back. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want to browbeat you. He wants to say, come on, come on, come on. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. I'm going to pray. Pastor James is going to lead us in a song. And when he begins to sing, I don't want you to wait. You know. You know. God's been pointing something out in your heart this whole service. You're like, this has to change. Have the guts, have the courage to do work the way that Josiah did. Smash some things. When I gave away that DVD collection, when things had gotten crazy, I just gave it away. I had to get rid of it. I had to get rid of my Xbox because I was spending too much time on that. I'm just being real. I had to get rid of it. People are going, what are you doing? That's hundreds of dollars of stuff. Hundreds of dollars of stuff was not worth being one step away from God. It wasn't worth it, and I can tell you that. So whatever it is that's holding you back this morning, a relationship, an addiction, whatever it is, it is not worth this, this distance needs to close. Will you pray with me, church? Lord, you are amazing, and you are wonderful, and you are so good, and you are better than what I deserve. You are better than what we deserve, but you are good, and you are loving, and you are an amazing Father. Jesus, today I pray that we would respond 
the way that the people did in 2 Kings. Like never before has a church turned to God. Like never before has a church cleaned house because they just want to be closer to God. Because we want to be closer to you. Have your way in my heart. Have your way in my life. If getting rid of some things make us different or weird or people think it's strange, man, if that's the cost, I'll pay it. I just want to be as close to you as I can be. God, I pray today that we would all say, as for me and my house, we will not compromise. We will serve the Lord. We will want to be as close to the Lord as we can possibly get. Jesus, have my heart today. In Jesus' name.